Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. The Lord has laid upon my, my heart and my mind the thought they called him king. And if God will allow me for the next few moments, then I will expound from the book of John uh, this particular passage being Palm Sunday. And although we know that Palm Sunday is an event, a celebratory event, of which the nation and the people of God celebrated his triumphant entry at the beginning of the Holy Week. As you know that they thought he was going to do something else. They thought our moment has come. Our liberator is here. They're going to tear down the Roman law. And finally, we're going to get some justice. Mm. It's interesting that God does not operate as man's way of thinking. That man predetermined what God ought to do, what he should do, and if he was God, he would do. God is God enough that he sits high and looks low and does whatever he wants to do. <laughs> he has never consulted with me about any of his decisions. <laughs> he never asked me to sit on a panel. He's never polled me on Twitter. He's never said, if I do this, do I have your support? I've never had, he's never asked me to wear a campaign t-shirt. I don't have to put a bumper sticker on my car that says, honk, if you love Jesus, I think if I just drive right, they'll know I love Jesus. Nothing worse than a Christian with road rage. And all them people that passed you by on the interstate and the road trying to get down Rockville Road, you showed up at the same light that they tried to beat you to. You just want to look over at them. All that. <laughs> God, God is in such a, a, a position that he takes the counsel of no one and speaks life and life comes when he said let there be light it just showed up when he made us after his image and in his likeness he made us with a will and he gave us ultimately the will to choose whether we would praise him or not. We are admonished many times in scripture to bless the Lord. One writer said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and let all that is within me bless his name. We're encouraged, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We are admonished, commanded, to praise him. In fact, he said, if you won't praise me, then the stones that are laying here on this road will get up and praise me. From there, we have sung songs. Ain't no rock going to cry out in my place. So he gives us a will to praise him and he acts upon his own counsel. So I've often said that God is large and in charge. <laughs> He's the one that calls the shots. So I want you, as we get into the meat of this message in this text, look it over somebody and say, I'm glad you finally figured out you're not in charge. You are not the boss of me. You're not the boss of nobody but you. And you ain't even the boss of you. <laughs> now that we're all on friendly terms, 
I want to pull out of John chapter 12 in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four talk about Palm Sunday. And they all give us an accounting of what happened at the Holy Week inception. But John is who I want to pull from on today. In John chapter 12, if you have your Bible there, say amen. amen. Reading from 12 to verse 15. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, this is what they did. They took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. Now what I want you to see is that in verse 13 and verse 15, in verse 13 it is underlined, and in again in another passage in verse 15, is that these weren't just sentences that John ad-libbed when he was looking to fill the text. The people in these passages were quoting Old Testament propheticness. They were releasing what was said in old time, old T, Old Testament, and rehearsing it, and John records it. I want to read these two, four verses again. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast. You know, people come when they're having a feast. <laughs> you tell the, that we're having free chicken wings, the whole church will be packed. <laughs> So on the next day, much people were come to the feast. And when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches off palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereupon and is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass of a colt. So I want you to write this down. They cried out, Hosanna. Everybody say they cried out. Hosanna. They weren't quiet about it. There wasn't um, um, Molly Milk Toast about it. There wasn't Kesara Sarah about it. They were crying out. And I would like to think that that's how we would respond if your loved one got up out of a wheelchair this morning who hadn't walked since they were two and began to run around this church. I guarantee you, I don't care how conservative, backward, uh, and, and, uh, and polite and, and put together you are, I dare say somebody would follow them with a run themselves, might do some backward handsprings. We might see somebody go Nadia and, and do a flip. I, I'm really dating myself now, and I? but uh, I can't hardly tell you the names of today's gymnasts, but I know a few uh, that you would be doing some uh, aerobics and some kind of uh, shouts and chants and dances, the mashed potato. You'd be doing something because you <clears throat> were excited. Amen. Nobody wants to help me here, but I'm, it's just, we do what we want to do. If somebody handed you a check for $10,000 this morning, you'd pass out. And before you did that, you'd say, I need an usher. I need an usher then you'd pass out because you can't leave your purse unguarded. Anyhow, <laughs> and the Bible said they cried out. They shouted out. And I want you to draw attention to that because they said, blessed is the king of Israel. This is where they call him king. Do you know that this is the very first mention? He's 33 years old. And this is the very first time at the, as he's drawing conclusion to his three-year ministry, three-and-a-half-year ministry, his public ministry. We don't know what he did from 12 up to 30. I'm sure he did much. 
But what's recorded is at 30. And this is the first time they have acknowledged him as the king. And in doing so, they were saying, you're not only the king, they were saying, you are the Messiah. And they're acknowledging that now we see you as more than a prophet. Even Jesus, when he had asked his disciples at one point, he said, who do men say that I am? And some responded, well, somebody said, did you John the Baptist back from the dead? Somebody said you was the prophet Elijah, Isaiah. And all these opinions that if you were to ask people today who he is, I dare say we would get a lot of opinions from the, the chatterboxes. But this is where they now say he's not just the, uh, a prophet. He, he's the Messiah. We validate him to be the king. And so they see him as the king. And you know when a king comes in on the scene, if you ever watch any science fiction movies, uh, these kings that show up to deliberate or to liberate <laughs> and free people, that everybody's excited when the king comes to town. And so they cried out, Hosanna! Hosanna! I want to break the word Hosanna down because the word is broken in two places and its definition revealed. It is Hosan, which means save, and Na, which means now. So when you say Hosanna, you are saying save now, save now, save now. And this was what they were crying out when Jesus came in. If I was to give you a first point, it would be save now. Say that out loud with me. Save now. Save now. Elbow your neighbor and say, save now. Save now. Elbow your neighbor and say, save now. And here's where we find this. I told you that in this passage of John, there were two prophetic Old Testament Verses interjected that the people cried out and even Jesus repeated. But when they begin to say, save now, it is drawn from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Look at chapter 118 and verse 25. And the Bible said, save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. And I love this because they say, save now and send us now. Say it with me. Save now. Send us now. They are crying out to God in a time of need in their life, like a lot of us when we get in trouble. Save us now, God, and send us now. And what do they ask for? Prosperity. So they ask God to bring economy into the situation. They're not a person in this room that wouldn't like to have a little more money. Mm -hmm. There's not a person in this room that wouldn't like to have be completely debt free, live in a house so big that could house two king beds and a couch and give off mansion vibes. Nobody want to help me there. All of us would enjoy having a little more fluid change in our pocket. We would spiritualize it. We would say it is so that I can be the giver, the lender, and not the borrower. And by the way, I just want you to understand that whoever paints a picture and told us that Jesus and the disciples and the prophets of old were poor. They told you a lie. Jesus' ministry was so big, he had to have account, an accountant on the team to decide where they were going to divvy up the, the need and minister. Do what you do quickly. There was 
Abraham who was very blessed and Isaac and Jacob. And so I just want you to get this poor mentality off of you that says I've got to be as poor as Job's turkey in order to be holy and humble. Oh, let me break that off of somebody right now in Jesus' name. God wants you to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. And I'm not here to talk about name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Uh, I'm not here to give you a pyramid scheme. I'm just here to tell you that God's intention is to bless you and for you to live in blessing. Oh, to lend to many. Hallelujah. To be able to bless the ministry and to build the kingdom of God. I thought it was interesting as the psalmist says in verse 25, save us and send us prosperity because we always understand that most of our saving would help us if we had had some sending. Mm -hmm. And so they bring economy into it, but it's the next verse that is profound because not only have they used the word Hosanna in the psalmist writing, save now, then they go on to say in verse 26, blessed is he who comes <laughs> in the name of the Lord. Sound familiar? That on that day, Palm Sunday, they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the scripture in Psalm 118 that they are quoting as Jesus is coming in. And here's what they're saying, save us now and save our prosperity. Save us now, send now prosperity. We're under the yoke of the Romans. We're being taxed unfairly. Mm. There's no justice to this system. Save us now. Send us now prosperity because it's not just affecting us, it's affecting our economy. Ooh, and when you start messing with people's money, ooh, people turn into a pit bull. They're ready to take you out when you messing with their money. Oh, my, my. And this is exactly where we are as a nation right now. Save now. Save now. Save now. And think how many times that we have prayed this prayer. Don't just save us, God. Save us now, God. Deliver us now, God. Save us from what we're in right now, God. Don't wait, God. Don't hesitate. Save me right now. And that's what we've prayed. That's what you've prayed many times in your life. And I've thought about a passage again, also in the book of Psalms, that exemplifies a lot what we go through. And it is found in Psalm 107, where the Bible tells us four times in this whole chapter that Israel, every time they got in trouble, which we know it was at least four times in this passage alone, that when they did, they cried out to God in their trouble, and the Bible said that he delivered them from all their distresses. Let me show you those four verses. The Bible teaches us in verse 6, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. And then in verse 13, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. Verse 19, and they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. Verse 28, and they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. Somebody was getting in trouble a lot. Somebody was always in trouble. Look down your row and look at the guilty and say, we know, we know. But I want you to understand, we all get in trouble at a time in our life and in seasons of our life. But I look at these four verses and I see a pattern that Israel always was getting in trouble. And every time they got in trouble, they cried out to God, save us. Save us now, God. And the Bible said that God did not hesitate 
but God delivered them. And then he says, after he delivered them, he explained to them the desire that he had for them. Now that I've delivered you, this is where I'm taking you. Now that I've brought you out, this is where I want you to go. Now watch this in verse 4 through 7 of Psalm 107. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. There's their trouble. They were hungry and they were thirsty. There's their trouble. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses and he led them forth by the right way that they may go to a city for a dwelling place. Now watch this verse because it's repeated several times. Then, after they got in trouble, then they cried out to the Lord. Then they came to church. My change is strange. I think I've got to go to church. My loved one's in the hospital. I better go to church. Oh, it's quiet in here. My wife's about to leave me. I better go to church. They just laid me off. I guess it'd be time if I go to church. Oh, you don't want to help me here. After they cried out to him. And then he delivered them time and time again. In this passage, he led them forth by the right way. He was trying to say all along, I'm trying to show you the right way. If you'll just learn this, some things are taught, some things are caught. If you'll just learn this, you won't backslide every Monday. If you just learn this, you won't have slip and cuss. Whew. If you just learn this, uh, strongholds and addictions can't hold you. And the Bible said, I want to lead you the right way that you might go to a city for a dwelling place. Because this is what their trouble was. They had no city. They had no place to dwell. They were in a desolate place. And watch this. This is also repeated in verse 8. Then God says, after he gives them instruction, all oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So after God gives instruction, then he wants us to thank him for that instruction. You know, any time that somebody has to admonish you or rebuke something in your life, you ought to thank God that he's being faithful to your soul. God's not picking on you. God's using people to help you in your journey of faith. And then we read in verse 11 through 15, because they rebelled against the words of God. Now here God's brought them out and pointed them in the direction of a, their own dwelling, and now they're in trouble again. They rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was no one to help. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Then we get to chapter verse 18. Their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. And I like what he says in this passage. In his deliverance, he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. But notice that he adds the tag of praise again. Oh, that men would praise the Lord and his wonderful works to the children of men. But then again, we get in verse 26 and the Bible says they mount up to the heavens. They go again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. Notice what the verse says. They go up they go down. They're up one week, they're down the next week. They're a yo-yo Christian, up and down, up and down. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Even your pastor can't put you back together. You gotta make a decision that you're not gonna be going up and down every week. One minute I'm in, one minute I'm out. Come on, let me preach in here on a Sunday morning. He said they mount up to the heavens and they go again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel 
to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits end. I thought it was interesting as I read that verse because it had been a long time since I had heard that phrase at your wits end. Some of you have heard that phrase. I'm at my wits end. You didn't know that that was the Bible, that that was the scripture that was talking that when somebody says I'm at the end of my rope and I'm at my wits end. Most of us have heard that expression and then in verse 28 watch this then they cry out after they're at their wits end then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses he calms the storm so that its waves are still then they are glad because those waves are quiet so he guides them to their desired haven hallelujah that's God making a way when there seems to be no way and then watch in verse 31 he repeats it again oh that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now let me just preach in here a little while and say that I love this passage in Psalms chapter 107. But this is not a passage where God is rebuking them. This is not a passage where God is saying I'm mad at you because every time you get in trouble you cry out to me. All you ever do is call out to me when you're in trouble. That's all you ever do. You just come around me when you want something. You just call me when you need some money. You just call me for gas money. You just serve me like a like you go into the emergency room. You don't ever come and see me. You just come when you're in an emergency situation and need to raid my pantry and get some of my little debits out of my pantry because you need a sweet tooth. Oh, nobody want to help me here. You don't ever come and talk to me. Oh, I, I like the meme that I saw around Thanksgiving where they showed this little old lady all shriveled up and she said, ain't nobody called me, but you start coming around because you want me to cook for Thanksgiving. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I'm saying that's how we treat God. We don't come unless we're in an emergency. Well, I better call the church and let the preacher do his preacher thing. Oh, my God. Let me just preach that the devil is a lie. He is not rebuking them for their crying out to him. That's not what Psalm 107 is about. He's not rebuking them because they were crying out to him in their trouble. God is just simply saying, I just wish this was a lifestyle for you. I just wish that you didn't wait till you got in trouble. I just wish that it was a lifestyle that you lived such a way that you would just give me thanks all the time, not just when you're in trouble. Every time you get in trouble, you cry out, and that's okay because in my Godship, I'm big enough to see you through it and deliver you. Oh, but I would that men would give thanks always and give me praise that's what he was asking them to do. I just wish you'd give me thanks, not just when I do something for you. I remember when Beverly and I began pastoring and, or evangelizing and traveling. At one point in our life in the early 90s, we were state youth directors and we would go and preach and minister in various churches here in Indiana and neighboring places. And back then, we lived on offerings. And also, Beverly worked in the medical field. And she carried our health care. And I don't know how we would have made it if we hadn't had, well, I do know God kept us. But we did all that we knew to do with all the skills and talents that we had going for us. And she carried our health care, which at that time was 100%. And I remember even when our daughter, the doctors told us that Caitlin would be born with spina bifida, that God healed her in Beverly's womb. And I remember going through that. She had a hole in her heart when she was born. And they kept her in ICU. They brought her home on an apnea monitor. And we had to go through training on CPR and here we were, 21 years old, young parents, talk to me, having to bring home this machine. Every time it beeped, we'd go into panic, thinking the devil's trying to kill our baby, our future, our seed. Come on, church. And Beverly was carrying our health care, and I was preaching wherever the Lord would open the door for us. And they would give us a love offering when we'd go. And whatever that offering was, that was our income. 
And so you don't ever want to get into a place where you only preach for money. And I can honestly stand here and tell you I've preached for nothing <laughs> because it's the call of God upon my life. And it wasn't just preaching with a, in a microphone on a, in a pulpit, but it's just serving the kingdom. And I remember that, that if we didn't have any meetings, we didn't have any money. We had no way to pay our bills. And here you get up and preach faith, and you don't have enough faith to get yourself out of a wet paper bag because you are despondent and thinking what's going to happen if this doesn't happen. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then God would prove himself to us. He didn't have to, but he would use people to give to us in our time of need. And often it would be exactly what we needed when we needed it. And I remember one day I was distressed because we didn't have money to pay our bills. And uh, Beverly took care of the, the bills. She wrote the bills out. And that is, she is best suited for that role. Let me say that. I can spend it if she doesn't use it. Amen. She, she gets us way ahead. And I thank God for her. But I knew we were behind and I knew that we had bills due and I was complaining and griping because I didn't have money to pay the bills. I was upset. I thought, and this is ministry? And I remember having this conversation with God, Pastor. I, I just said, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> and I even said, God, where are you? And I don't think that God gets upset at us when we have these conversations with him. He's not waiting just to flick you on the head and say, I'm tired of you. That's not God. He, he lets us come to him. And, and I got to the mailbox, and when I opened it up after been griping, I opened up, there was a, an envelope from this dear saint of God up north. And in there was a check and was a note that said, I just felt led <laughs> to send this to you. And when I opened that, got back up to the house and looked at that and saw that, I realized that it was not only enough to tithe, because tithe ought to come off the first of everything. I'll take that, amen, because that's what the Bible teaches. I'm trying to help the church. And it was enough to not only tithe, it was enough to pay all, all of our bills that month. And we had leftovers so that if we wanted to go to Ryan's Steakhouse back in the day, whoo, I steer clear of some buffets now. Thank God for sneeze guards, but everybody's hands and stuff. You know, anyway, it was enough for us to help ourselves and enjoy a little more than normal. And I was so happy about it, but I didn't say anything to God about it. I opened the check, I got excited, but I didn't tell God thank you. And it's as if I heard God say, why aren't you saying thank you? And here I had been griping and complaining and God lays it on someone's heart a week before for them to write a check a week before, put it in the mail with a nice note, and trust the post office to get it to me. That when I got to the mailbox on that particular day, I would open it up and there would be just what I needed and more than enough. And God was saying, didn't you know you ought to thank me? I put it on that person's heart a week ago for them to obey my voice. And because they obeyed my voice, here it has showed up in your mailbox. I'm preaching to somebody. God did it. Here I was griping when I didn't have nothing, but I didn't thank him when I did have something. Can I preach Bethel? This is what Psalm 107 is really saying to Bethel Family Worship Center. God is saying, I wish you would thank me all the time 
for my goodness in your life. Now, before we get all high and mighty and say, well, look at them Israelites. They really something. I can't believe they wouldn't give God praise. We do the same thing. We can cry out to God right now, and he will hear us and answer us. And he is a God that is moved by prayer. When you have a prayer meeting and you talk to him and say, God, we just coming now to thank you for all that you're doing. A few weeks ago, Pastor Wayne sent me this video, video, and I want you to see as they play it now, members of our food pantry team after they have served the community, praying for one another. It is always in order to have a prayer meeting. You can be at the grocery store and have a prayer meeting. You can be at the school campus and have a prayer meeting. You can be at Kroger. You can be at the mall. You can be anywhere. It's all right to cry out to God all the time. You can do that anytime you want to. I want somebody to cry out, save us now. Save us now. Save us now. That's what they were saying. God, save us. And the second thing that he says to us in this Palm Sunday, in this passage, is fear not. And this is the truth that I want to drive home for somebody today out of John chapter 12 and verse 14. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, and as it is written, Fear not, <laughs> daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey's colt. And I thought it was interesting that Jesus quotes and says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. I come to tell somebody, fear not, fear not. I don't care what they said, fear not. Not concerned so much what the doctor said, fear not. They may have discovered a mass in your body, but I say fear not. God is with you coming in, and God is with you going out. Fear not. Fear not what men can do, but trust God who will see you through. Fear not the things of this world or every tongue that is assailed against you. God is the keeper of your destiny. God is the measurer of every step that you take, and you're not going anywhere until God says it's over. You ought to serve God with robust. Bustness. You ought to serve God with great joy. You ought to get up this morning, eat raw meat and gunpowder for breakfast, and tell the devil you should have killed me when you had the chance. I'm going to serve the God that has brought me through. He not only brought me through yesterday, he'll bring me through today, and he'll be bringing me through tomorrow. Anytime I say, save now, he responds with, fear not. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Fear not is a powerful, powerful statement. And it's not a suggestion, it's a command. Fear not. He's saying, don't fear. Don't fear. In other words, put your trust in God and do not fear. Don't let your heart be afraid. Don't let, I feel this for somebody. You sat in here, you came in here vexed. You came in here heavy down. You came in here wondering how God could turn it around. But I'm here to tell you, five years ago, 2017, God healed me and brought me through cancer. And I'm here to tell you, the enemy lied to me. He told me I was going to die. They took the size of a grapefruit out of me. And I had to sit on the couch for five months later and wait for myself to heal. And brother, I'm telling you, I felt like it was over. I lost my mind momentum. I lost everything. It seemed like I didn't have no energy, but the Lord is my helper and the Lord is my strength. Oh, hallelujah. God brought me out of that situation five years ago. I just went to see the doctor not long ago. He said, I don't even want to see you again for a few years. Hey, can I just testify and tell you, fear not, fear not, fear not. I don't care what they say. I know what he said. They said I wouldn't make it, but I'm still here. I am 
here to tell you God is your keeper. God will bring you through. God will be your bridge over troubled water. He'll help you in the time of need. But you can't fear what people say. You can't fear what people do. Fear not. I'm not afraid of the boogeyman. Last night, we set the alarm to go to bed. Pastor Bev was already upstairs. I just put the dog in her little crate. I set the alarm, headed in the kitchen to sneak a snack <laughs> so she wouldn't know about it. Don't y'all look so sanctified? You and your little Debbie. Wynn sat down on the couch to give me time to hide the evidence. And all of a sudden, we set our alarm on instant so that even if, even if the door opens, immediately, no hesitation, the alarm goes off. Ooh, that alarm went off. I knew I'd been had. That sweet tooth was trying to find me trying to call me out oh no 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 I jumped up got all scared grabbed my phone waiting for them to call me so I could give them my secret password little Debbie no I'm just teasing no I'm just teasing <laughs> don't be breaking into my house y'all anyway I get my wife says what was that who is it I said I don't know she said well go check I said I can't I'm scared And all it was, I had forgot to shut the garage door, mudroom door, officially. I locked it, but I didn't push it shut. And the old wind spirit, the old devil spirit, tried to sneak in on me. Are you here? And I'm telling you, it attacked me. I got so fearful, I thought I was going to fall over. And then I said, the devil is alive. Beverly said, get on out there and check that thing. And I'm telling you, I was so... I went out there and I found out, hey, well, all that, well, that's all that was, a devil is a lie. How many things have you got fearful over and God told you, I told you, fear not. I told you, it's going to work out. Fear not, but give me praise while you don't fear. Praise me, all oh, that men would. I didn't finish that sweet. I nearly choked on that little dead... I said, I ain't eating that. <laughs> Say, save now. Fear not. And here's the third thing you write down before I close. Not as we expect. I remember during the pandemic when they were telling us we could only have 10 people, 20 people. Remember all that? And we were trying to be creative. And God, none of us had ever pastored through a pandemic, let alone been through one that I know of. I mean, that cooties that broke out in elementary school, but that, we survived it. But we had to be creative. We had to look for creative ways to communicate the gospel. We would do drive-by waves. <laughs> And we would start preaching and, and then we have, and Bethel, God had blessed us. We were already live on the internet in every service, but it made us hone our skills and upgrade our game because we realized there were people counting on us to preach and to teach and to, to keep the saints encouraged because it was a very discouraging time and fear was trying to get all of us. Come on. And, and I remember that God opened so many doors for us during a pandemic. He blessed the church financially during a pandemic. He helped us to reach more souls than we had even dreamed about during a pandemic. Sister Veda, I receive your prayer that God's bringing billionaires to this house. Hallelujah. God's looking for creative ways to bless this house. 
and he's already proved himself faithful, so I can't say that he's not, he is. But God will often do things in ways that we didn't expect, in the ways that we didn't plan. And so in John 12, verse 15, the last part of that verse says, behold, your king is coming. And then he says how he's coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. So he starts off saying, fear not, da-da-da-da, and he rides in on a donkey. And they've just pronounced, Hosanna, blessed is the king, the first time they used the word king, because they imagined that he was riding in on a stallion. The king is coming. Look, y'all, he's about to turn the corner. And he's sitting on a colt of a donkey. Yes, I'm coming, but it's not as you expect. Yes, I'm going to make a way, but it's not how you think. And this is quoted again out of the Old Testament where Jesus talks to us out of Zechariah 9 and 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. Then he says, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Not even the donkey, but the baby of the donkey. This is what he's riding in it. And now he's saying, yes, I'm coming, but it's not as you expect. It's not as you think. I mean, most of the time when a king entered a city, he had the tallest horse in all of the military. Do you remember when you used to say, how tall is a horse and how many hands is it? And they would take your hand at the hoof of the horse and just stack it and count up to the shoulder of the horse. And that's how high, how many hands a horse was tall. And so when a king or even a military leader came in, he would want to make sure that his horse was higher than all of his soldiers' horses. And then if the king came, oh my, the horse had to be taller than even the soldiers and the commander of the army. It had to be that tall because a military leader and a king wanted to prove they are who they are and they're to be gazed upon. Come on, somebody, as a leader of authority. So think about what Jesus did. He rides in on a lowly animal. He doesn't get involved in their politics. Who should do this? Who should do that? He didn't ride in on the horse that they expected. And here's something I think we miss because it wasn't even the donkey, it was the foal of a donkey. It was the donkey's colt. And that's why Zechariah said he's coming lowly, but he will bring justice, hallelujah. He will bring salvation but he will ride in on the foal of a donkey. And I know this is Palm Sunday, we reached out of John, but now look at what Matthew says. In Matthew's description of this, he tells us things that I think we miss because when he sent his disciples into the next town, he said, you will find a colt tied to a place where two roads come together. And he said, I want you to find it. Woo, I could preach on that. When you find it, loose it and bring it to me. And if anybody says anything to you about it, you just tell them, the master hath need of it. And the Bible said that they went in just as he had said, and they found the colt tied at a place where two ways meet. Who I'm preaching to somebody, you're at a place where two ways meet. Don't know which way to go. Don't know what to do. Woo, God said, loose it and tell them the master hath need. I've come to preach to somebody today. Loose yourself so that God can use you. Get free from your addiction so God can use you. Come out of your trouble and let God use you. God wants to help you. And so he finds the colt, the, the, the baby of the donkey. And, in, and, and so in Matthew His description says that he finds them both. And it makes a lot of sense that the mother of the foal would have been with them because it would have made the foal a lot calmer 
when mama's around. You always, or should be always, calmer when mama's around. So here's the donkey, and we don't see many pictures where Jesus is riding on the foal and the donkey's with them, but rest assured, according to Matthew's interpretation, the baby and the mother rode in with him. I don't know how I'm going to write that book, but I feel it. So when you look and see him riding on the foal, he's even lower than the donkey. And all these people who are starting in ministry want to have this big following. You've got the king's horse, the war horse, the soldier's horse, the regular horse, a donkey, and then the foal. And Jesus chooses out of all of that to make his triumphant entry on a foal. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I can almost imagine that he was so tall that when he got on the foal, his feet touched the ground. It's like having training wheels, the foal. I mean, he's sitting on the baby. One that had never bore a burden. He had to ride in on something that had never been ridden so that he could usher in a new way. So I close today by saying at the beginning of the week they celebrated even though he was riding the foal. They still threw their garments down. They still waved their branches. But that was at the beginning of the week. At the beginning of the week they we call that Palm Sunday, they gave him palms, but by the end of the week, they gave him thorns because people are fickle and they will turn on you. Jesus was being who he was and when he was being who they wanted him to be, when you will be what people want you to be, they will give you palms. They did that because they wanted him to be king. When he was who they wanted him to be, they gave him palms. The Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. <laughs> Ooh, I've lived it. When he was who they wanted him to be, Mother Jones, they gave him palms. But when he was who they needed him to be, their savior, they gave him thorns and they shoved them in his skull. Are you here? So when I think about Psalm 107, we cry out and he saves us. He saves us. And then what do we do after he saves us? He gives us instructions. Then we thank him. Oh, that men would thank him. So my challenge today is to share the message to say, when you're getting your deliverance from your trouble, don't forget to thank him. Come on, let's stand our feet. Don't forget to thank him because God will use everything that you've gone through to get the glory and give you the good you're going to get the good out of it he's going to get the glory you're going to get the good it may take time it may not be how you expect it I didn't know how God would answer certain prayers in my life He saved me now. I could testify as I shared with you at the post office, at the mailbox where God saved me now and God sent prosperity. 
Hallelujah. And then he would come along and say, fear not, fear not. And encourage me to believe him and trust him. But what I always have struggled with, and I'm just being real, is when he didn't do it the way I expected him to. And maybe you're here today and it hasn't gone the way you expected it to. He said, in spite of that, give me thanks. Oh, that men would give thanks to God. And so I would challenge all of us in this place that even if it's not as we expected, that we would still give God thanks. Come on, would you do that all across the house? I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Maybe God's going to use you this week to do what's not expected. You will be someone else's answer to prayer. God will lay it on your heart to write that check or to put that gas money in someone's pocket and say, go get diapers for your baby. I just felt like God told me to do this. Not to be seen, not so you could brag about it and get a picture out of it, but so that you could just say, this is what I feel like the whole, the Lord is saying. You will be the one that will do what is not expected for him. I thought about our church that this week, our challenge is great. On this Wednesday night, we'll be setting up at Garden City Elementary from five to seven, serving the students of the whole school. Give God praise for that. On May the 2nd, our food truck will show up and bless all the teachers at Garden City. They're right around the corner and we're gonna bless our community. We're being the hands and feet of God. Amen. We are being that which was not expected. I asked Pastor Ethan to call over to the school and find out how can we serve. A few years ago when we began to launch the food truck and the desire to serve our community, we surveyed the city and the community to find that the two greatest needs in our community was food and childcare. And we said it in our heart, God, how can we do the unexpected thing? How can this little old church on the west side? Don't laugh at me. Laugh with me. How are we going to do something big for God? Then I've watched God raise up people who did the unexpected. Hallelujah. Who gave generously to fund the work. Maybe you couldn't even do it financially, but you did it through your workmanship. What can I do? This Saturday, we will be at the food drive-through food pantry sharing the love of God again. Because ministry is not just standing here holding a mic. Ministry is helping people. And a lot of times before you can even share the gospel with someone, you have to be the gospel to someone. It's hard to preach to somebody who's hungry when they're hurting and they have a headache. I know that we will continue to be God's hands and feet. And then in addition to that, we've launched in our hope ministry, which has been several years. Sister Lisa Peck leads our counseling ministry and our ministry to those that, that are in need, helping other people excel that we've got a call-out meeting coming up on Monday, April the 10th, because we're looking for mental health coaches, people who will help us with grief support, life recovery, single and parenting, self-care, financial literacy, teaching people how to better their life. Doesn't that sound like the unexpected thing? That God would call us to reach people. Out in the hallway this morning, our Taste of Grace food truck is set up for anybody who wants to serve in that ministry. Oh, I'm about to have a volunteer fair right here. Thank you. We've got one brother that said he would serve. Amen. But we are the hands and feet. And then 
they told me this morning when I asked, how many missionaries do we support? And they said, we support 11 missionaries that are on the field. Do you know that Bethel Family Worship Center is ministering to missionaries in the Caribbean, Central America, Cuba, Ethiopia, Hungary, Ivory Coast, Kenya, Iraq, and the Philippines. You ought to give God praise for that. That we are a church. We take care of our own, but we also understand the necessity to send the gospel around the world. So I want to ask you today, as you cry out to God to save you now, and you embrace the words that say, fear not, then you say, God, what unexpected thing will you do? I will trust you and I will praise you no matter what it is. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, I thank you for the goodness that you would fill this place with. And I ask you today, God, that every one of us in this room would take a moment to ask you what it is you're trying to teach us today through this message. Would you do that right now? Ask the Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me and my family? And through Palm Sunday, God is saying, your Savior is coming. Go ahead and cry out to me. I will save you. Don't be afraid. I will save you. If you're here today and heads are bowed and you know that you are lost away from the Lord, maybe you are in a backslidden condition and you know that you need a relationship with Jesus. I just felt led to do it a little different this morning. To ask you right where you're standing, in your heart, for you to tell Jesus that you believe in him. Would you do that? Tell the Lord you believe in him. Tell the Lord that you acknowledge him to be your savior. Ask him. Lord, would you come into my life and forgive me of all my sins? And if you'll just talk to him that way and turn your heart toward God, he'll help you. We're going to help you connect as you go forward in your faith. But Lord, I want to thank you right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for the truths revealed to us on Palm Sunday. I thank you for next Sunday on Resurrection Sunday. You are the king, not just a prophet, not just a story of old, not just a fable of men. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords, my savior. And you are a permanent solution to my temporary circumstance. And I cry out to you now, declare you to be Lord in my life. If you're here today as our teams move in place, you would say, Pastor, that's me. I know God's been speaking to me this whole service. And it doesn't matter if you're coming and need salvation or if you need healing or you need someone to pray with you that whatever the circumstance that you and your family are facing, that God can turn that thing around. I'm going to ask coaches and leaders to come to help us in this prayer. I believe there'll be many coming this morning. I am believing God that he's going to make a way for me. If you've been issued a health diagnosis that has been very grim or not of a good report, I want you to come. We're going to pray with you. If you need a touch of God for your family, just come and present yourself. We don't even have to know all the details to pray. Prayer is a language that God understands. Those ladies gathered in that drive-through food pantry right there at the end of the meeting and just prayed the Lord power over each one. I feel the Holy Spirit drawing us now. Of course, there's always room to kneel at an altar. 
You can make your seat an altar. Or you can come to this altar and find a place just to pray. But I sense the moving of God's spirit today that God's going to do something unexpected. As we sing this song, would you come from all over? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 